Amen. I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 4 tonight. Mark chapter 4. I've had, uh, I've got some scriptures kind of rolling around on the inside of my heart. So we're just going to start off with one of them and see, see where the Lord takes us. Mark chapter 4 is a, um, uh, in my opinion, is one of the most important uh, parables, probably the most important parable in my estimation, of uh, any of the teachings that Jesus um, gave us in parables. Obviously, he didn't teach everything in parables, but of the ones that he did, the parables that he gave us, this is the, the, uh, the chiefest, and I believe Jesus is even saying that. He's saying that if, uh, he, uh, when the disciples asked him the meaning of the parable, and it's the parable of the sower sowing the word, when the disciples asked him the meaning of it, in verse 13, he said, Know you not this parable? And how then will you know all parables? He also said, concerning this, in verse 11, he said, Unto you it's given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. Talking about the understanding of this parable is the, is the key to understanding the mystery of the kingdom of God. Now stop and think about that for a minute. Mystery is something that, uh, that you don't uh, see clearly. We think of a mystery like a mystery movie or a mystery novel or something like that where it's a kind of a puzzle that you figure things out and sometimes you don't have all the information so you can't see clearly and so forth. That's not what this word mystery means. This word mystery means uh, secret rites or uh, principles that only those that are a part of a certain group or organization would know. Like, for example, you can have fraternal organizations or sorority organizations in, in um, colleges and, and uh, uh, you've got uh, the Masons and, and different things like that. There are certain rights to the organization, certain rituals that they have as a part of their organization, the foundation of their organization, that if you're not part of the group, you don't know what they are. I know in the fraternity that, uh, that I was a part of in college, we had a special handshake. And that handshake is supposed to identify two members of the, of the fraternity, no matter whether they went to the same school or schools 3,000 miles apart. The, the rituals and the rites, the mysteries of the organization are the same thing. They learned the same thing about the organization when they went to school, no matter where it was or when it was, that I learned when I went to school. And most of it's a bunch of junk, but you get the point. Jesus is saying unto you is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. In other words, he's saying the understanding of this parable will cause you to understand the rites and the rituals, the principles that the whole of the kingdom of God works on. That makes this pretty important, doesn't it? And then he said again in verse 13, if they didn't know this parable, then how would they know all parables? He's saying this is the key. This is the key to understanding not only how the kingdom of God works, but to understanding how all the other parables how to, to decipher or how to understand all the rest of the parables that he teaches. And then he gives the explanation. He said, the sower sows the word, verse 14. Now, let me ask you a question. He doesn't explain this, but we need to understand for ourselves, how do you sow words? There's only one way you can do it, and that's with your mouth. There's no way in the world we can take a bucket of words and throw them on the ground and, do, and have them do any good for us. When he talks about the sower sowing the word, he's talking about somebody speaking the word of God. So when he says the sower sows the word, we could interject or substitute the word speaks the word of God there, and it would be exactly the same. The sower speaks the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard the word, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Notice the word of God. If the word is being sown is the word of God, Jesus said in John six sixty three, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. When God created man, he breathed in man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. In other words, God breathed in man the same way that he speaks words, through his mouth. Therefore, man was created in the exact likeness 
The image and likeness of God, King James says, it really means an exact duplication in kind. How? Because God spoke or breathed into man his own spirit. That's why only the word of God can fit your spirit. That's why other words, other books, other doctrines, other, other ideas, other philosophies are not going to fit your spirit. Now, when I say fit your spirit, I mean it's not compatible with your spirit. Now, don't get me wrong. People fill their spirits with all kinds of goofy things and wrong things and things other than the word of God. But the word of God is the only thing that will fit, feed, develop, and nourish your spirit. It's the only thing that can. You ever gone to a church service and come out feeling cheated? Well, I got tired of doing that. I started finding a church where I didn't feel cheated when I left. I know we've had experiences like this. Brother Hagin used to use this example. I'm stealing it for him, but it's one that we'll all recognize and be able to relate to. Sometimes we've gone to a restaurant and we've been in the mood for a good meal and got cheated. Pay a high price for a meal that didn't satisfy us. It wasn't good. Maybe the service wasn't good, whatever it was. We walk out of there and our stomach feels cheated. Well, our spirits can feel cheated too. The word of God is the only thing that can fit, feed, nourish, and develop your spirit. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Your spirit is designed to be fed the life of God. And that's what you get when you hear the word. So Jesus said, the sower sows or speaks the word, and these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan comes immediately to take away the word that was sown in their hearts. Or sown meaning spoken into, the word that was spoken into their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness and have no root in themselves and so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake immediately they are offended notice that they receive the word but something offends them and causes them to turn loose of it verse 18 and these are they which are sown among thorns such as hear the word And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in chokes the word and it becomes unfruitful. And these are they likewise which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit. Some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. Now, three types of this ground receive the word. Only one, the wayside hears the word and then the word's taken away immediately. But the other three take hold of the word to different degrees the stony ground receives the word notice in verse uh uh what is it verse 16 these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who which when they have heard the word immediately receive it with gladness they take hold of it but they turn loose then it says the thorny ground hear the word verse 19 and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful There wouldn't be anything there to become unfruitful if they didn't receive it. So one turns loose of it and the other has other things entering into their lives to choke it out. But the one type of ground is the ground that hears the word, receives it, and keeps it or brings forth fruit. These are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Now, Really, the key to bringing forth fruit is what does it mean to receive it and hold on to it? If we can understand what it is to receive the word of God, not just hear the word, but if we can understand what it means to receive the word of God and then be diligent to keep it, 
And literally, the way that you the, the way you keep the word of God is you keep doing what it takes to receive it. If we can understand that, then we can understand how the whole of the kingdom of God works. And that's what Jesus is trying to tell his disciples. Now, Jesus is not finished talking. When he finishes explaining to the disciples about this uh, uh, parable for the sower sowing the word, he goes further beginning in verse 21 and starts talking about some other things. He continues, we'll skip over to verse 26, and notice he said, so is the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to know what the kingdom of God is about. That's my pursuit. Because the kingdom of God is where God's, God is ruling, is the kingdom uh, or the, the dominion, the territory, if you will, spiritual territory, where God is in charge. Well, I want God in charge in my life. Not just because I love God, but because I want the blessings of God. I know a lot of Christians that love God, but God's not ruling in their lives. Maybe sickness and disease is ruling in their flesh. Maybe wrong thinking is ruling in their soul. But they love God with all their hearts. What's the problem? They're one of these other types of ground. They've let either things make them turn loose of the word or they've let something come in and choke it. Become more important to them than keeping the word of God. So Jesus said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now, casting seed is the same thing as sowing, right? What do we know from these four types of ground? What, the ground, uh, what it, does it tell us about what the ground means? What's the definition of the ground? It's people's hearts. Jesus explains that when he says, talks about the wayside. He said, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So where was the word spoken into? Into their hearts. So the ground is, your, is the heart. The casting seed or the sowing is speaking. So Jesus is very simply saying this. So is the kingdom of God. Here's what the whole kingdom of God is like. It's as if a man should speak the word of God into his heart. The seed's the word, isn't it? The sower sows the word. Or the sower speaks the word. So here's what the whole of the kingdom of God is like. Notice how simple it is. Here's the mystery of the kingdom of God. Here's the mystery that unlocks all of the other parables and every other teaching Jesus ever gave us. So is the kingdom of God. Here's what produces the kingdom of God. A man speaking the word of God into his own heart. A man speaking the word of God into his own heart. Now what does that tell us about the other types of ground? It tells us the wayside ground had the word taken away before he ever even acted on it. It tells us that the the stony ground heard the word and received it. What does receiving mean? Well, if Jesus knew what he was talking about in verse 26, receiving the word of God is speaking it, not just hearing it, but speaking it into your own heart. See, the sower is something that you hear from somebody else. But to receive it is you speaking the word of God into your own heart. But he doesn't keep up with it. Affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, and so he turns loose. He stops speaking the word of God into his heart. What about the thorny ground? The thorny ground hears the word of God and begins to speak the word of God, but then gets distracted by other things. The cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things become more important to him than continuing to speak the word of God into his own spirit. But what's the ground that produces? It's the ground that hears the word, receives the word, speaks it into his own heart, and brings forth fruit. In other words, keeps it, Luke 8, 13 says, keeps it. How does he do that? By continuing to speak the word of God into his own spirit. Every part of the kingdom of God. Certainly healing is part of the kingdom of God. Jesus sent the disciples out and told them to preach, to heal the sick, and say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. So healing has to be a part of the kingdom of God in Jesus' mind. 
Otherwise, they wouldn't have healed and then said the kingdom of God has come. Healing has to be a part of the kingdom of God. So, so is healing as if a man should speak the word of God and into his own heart. What's going to produce that? Speaking healing words into your own heart. What's going to produce healing in your life or in your flesh? Speaking healing words into your own spirit. Well, where are we going to hear about that? Well, the word tells us Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and with his stripes we're healed. But now what are we going to do with it? Remember James said in James chapter 1, James said to be a hearer of the word or to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only deceiving your own selves. See, the one that hears and doesn't do, in other words, doesn't continue to speak the word, is self-deceived. He's self-deceived. He's like the thorny ground. He's like the, the, uh, the stony ground. They may hear the word. They may even know what it says. They may have even memorized the scripture, but they don't keep up with it. Now, there's a verse of scripture in Proverbs. Um, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 19. You don't have to look at this. Let me, let me read this to you. Proverbs 27, 19 says this. It says, as in water, face answers to face. So the heart of man to man. Now, the, the Bible is trying to give us an illustration here. He's saying when you look in water, you see the reflection of your own face. You don't see the reflection of somebody else's face. And the reflection you see is not different than the way you really look. You can't hide from the water your real appearance, your true appearance, right? That's what it means. As in water, face answers to face. The real you shows up. So the heart of man will show up in that man's life. The only exception to that is the man that deceives his own heart. Look with me over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Maybe to get the import, we'll back up a little bit and read some of the surrounding verses. James chapter 1, let's start reading in verse 21. He says, Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness. In other words, just be teachable. Put aside all the cares of this world and and, uh, other things that are going on around you. And receive with meekness. Be teachable and receive the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Now, if the Holy Spirit inspired James to write, talking about receiving the word, do you think he's talking about a different type or a different method of receiving than Jesus meant when he gave us the parable of the soul or so in the word? If receiving the word means speaking the word of God into your own heart in Mark chapter 4, why wouldn't receiving the word, being teachable to receive the word, mean speaking the word of God into your heart in James 1? See, receiving the word is the same thing in every case. You receive the word by speaking it. Not by hearing it. A lot of people hear and don't receive. It's when you act on it. And that's what James goes on to say in verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Who are the self-deceived people? The ones that hear the word but don't speak it into their own hearts. Now there's any number of reasons why somebody wouldn't. Somebody might say, well, I heard that preacher talking about healing the other day. But you know, not everybody agrees with that. And I know that a lot of theologians, well-known theologians, even better known than that preacher, that healing preacher, says that Jesus doesn't heal today the way that he did. Well, what are they doing? They're hearing the word, which is the truth, not because some healing preacher or somebody else spoke it, but because it's the word of God. They hear the word, but they refuse to receive it because they start saying something else instead of the word that they heard. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, does that mean we're supposed to accept anything and everything the Bible says? Well, yeah. 
If we don't, what are we doing? Are we running it through the filter of theologians? I don't know about you, but I'm not going to trust a theologian. I find a lot of theologians that are as dumb as dirt. They may have a bucket load of degrees behind their name. But that doesn't even get a guy saved. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to judge the word by the word and accept what it says. That sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, that's how you get to the truth. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. Notice he's talking about self-deceived people. Keep that in mind. Self-deceived is hearing the word of God without speaking it into your own heart. In other words, it's not good enough for you to hear what I have to say about the word. What makes the difference is what you have to say about the word. Is what you tell yourself. I'm sowing the word by speaking what the word of God says for you to hear it. Now what you do with it, if anything, is entirely up to you. And if you don't do something with it, then you're self-deceived. And I'm pretty sure that self-deception hits home with a lot more people that would want to admit it. How many of us have walked out of church and said, boy, wasn't that a good service? Man, that preacher was really on fire today. What good does that do us? Absolutely none. Unless we took the truth that he spoke, that we heard him speak, and say it to ourselves. Begin to say, boy, when he used that scripture over in Mark chapter 4, that really turned me on. I mean, there was something about that that just really grabbed me. I'm going to start confessing that for myself. Now you're doing something with it. Are you out there? But be ye doers of the word, receive with meekness, verse 21, receive with meekness the the engrafted word, which is able, 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 it has the potential, it has the power to save your souls. But it won't have any effect on your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, unless you do something with it. Be doers of the word, speakers of the word, confessors of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Notice James uses the same example that Proverbs 27 uses about looking at yourself in a mirror. James talks about a mirror. Proverbs 27 talks about seeing yourself in the reflection of a water, a pool of water. Same thing, same result, isn't it? If any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. For he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. Why? Because he doesn't continue to speak what he heard or saw in the word about himself. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, that's the mirror he's talking about, is the word of God. Spirit food. The words that are spirit and life, that which is designed by God to fit, feed, develop, and nourish your spirit. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. How do you continue in the word? By speaking it. If Jesus knew what he was talking about, you continue in the word by saying what the word says about you. Saying to yourself, not to other people, saying to yourself what the word says about you. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. What deed is he talking about? He'll be blessed to the degree that he speaks the word of God into his own heart. And remember Mark four twenty six. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should speak the word into his own spirit or his own heart. 
In other words, you'll have the degree degree of the kingdom of God that you'll have in your life. Manifest in your body, manifest in your soul, manifest in your surroundings. Is totally and completely dependent on the degree to which you speak the word of God into your own spirit. God will rule in your life to the degree that you speak the word. Wow, Pastor Mike, that kind of puts the, the, the onus on us. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? And that's a, lot, that's a place where a lot of Christians don't want to be. Bless their darling hearts. A lot of people would rather just give up and float through life and just say, well, the will of the Lord be done. Too late for that. The will of the Lord is for you to speak his word. Why? Because that's the way God rules in your life. Now, notice in verse 26, here's the, word, here's the verse that I wanted to get to. If any of you seem to be religious, any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not, bridleth means to control, controls not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Notice what he's saying. The dependent, uh, the, the, uh, the critical characteristic, of real religion, real relationship and fellowship, walking with God, is to control your tongue. To do otherwise is to deceive your own heart. Why? Because your heart, your spirit was created to be fed, fit, nourished, and developed by the Word of God and the Word of God alone. Now that brings us back to Proverbs chapter 27. What is it? Verse uh, 19, as water... Uh, as in water, face answers to face, so the heart of man to man. What, is it, what it's saying is simply this. Your heart was made and designed to be good ground. God created you in his image. And God's not stony ground. God's not wayside. God's not thorny ground. God is good ground. So he made your spirit and designed it to produce whatever is put in it. Now, if you hear the word of God and love God with all of your heart, but speak something to the contrary, don't control or bridle your tongue so that you're speaking something contrary to the word of God, you're deceiving your own heart. And what is the Bible telling us? Your heart will produce whatever you speak. As in water face answers to face, so the heart of man to man. Your heart will produce whatever you speak to it. Your life will be the result of whatever you speak into your heart. No matter what you think about God, no matter how much you love God, no matter how, much, how sincere you are about your love for God, none of those things matter. What matters is what you put into your spirit by speaking words. Now, if these things are true, and, and if I'm adding something to the Scripture, somebody speak up. But if these verses of Scripture mean what they say, then what is more important in our Christian life than confession of the Word? How is it that you or I or anybody else could be criticized for putting too great an emphasis on confessing the Word? So is the kingdom of God. Here's what the whole kingdom of God is like. As if a man should speak the Word of God into into his own spirit. Would anybody deny, any Christian, any denominational group, anybody that's truly saved, would anybody deny that God wants to rule in your life? Well, the Bible's real clear on how that happens. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should speak the word of God into his own heart. Jesus goes on to say, he goes to sleep and rises every day. And it produces results, it brings forth fruit. He doesn't even have to know how it works. 
It's not important to know how the Word of God produces in your heart. What's important to know is that the key to God ruling in your life, the key to healing ruling in your life, the key to God's provision ruling in your life, the key to everything Jesus paid for for us ruling in our lives comes down to one and only one thing, and that is speaking the Word of God into our hearts. That's it. Now turn back with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Here's the prayer that Jesus prayed. How many of you believe that Jesus prayed the will of God? Is it possible for Jesus to pray anything other than the will of God? Well, then this prayer in John chapter 17 has to be according to the will of God then. Right? Now, the 14th, 15th, and 16th chapters of John have one central theme, and that is, here's what it's going to be like for you because I'm going to the Father. And he puts a lot of emphasis on the use of his name. Literally, he puts a lot of emphasis uh, on uh, our relationship with God because he's going to the cross. He's going to be raised from the dead and so forth. That's what it means by the believing in his name and, and calling on his name and so forth. He's saying, once you make me the Lord of your life, here's the relationship you've got with God. And that's what the prayer is about in John chapter 17. Because he's already told the disciples, here's what it's going to be like. Here's what you can expect because of this new relationship. Because now I'm going to the Father to make a way for you. That way is salvation. It's the new birth. It's to make you the righteousness of God in me. Then he starts praying in John chapter 17. Notice what he says. Let's pick up in verse. uh, uh, Let's start in verse 13. And now I come to thee. And these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. The things that he spoke in the world are the things that are recorded in John 15, 14, 15, 16. About what we have because we're in him. I have given them, verse 14, I have given them thy word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. I pray not. Please notice verse 15. I pray not. Here's Jesus praying. This has to be the will of God. Jesus, if he's praying the will of God, then this means this is God's will for him to pray it. And it's going to be God's answer, or this is what God would answer him and give him what he's asking for. Notice what he's asking for. Notice what he's praying. I pray not that thou should take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. The word evil literally means bad. It's translated grievous, it's translated harm, it's translated disease, it's translated any number of things, anything and everything that's bad. Jesus is saying, I'm praying for them, not that they'd get saved and go to heaven. I'm praying that they would be saved, they would come into our family, and that they would stay here, but be delivered from the evil of the world. Now, what I want you to know, folks, and what I want you to see is it's Jesus' will, therefore God's will, for you to be delivered from anything and everything that's bad. Otherwise, Jesus either didn't pray the will of God or his prayer was ineffective. I don't believe either one of those are possible. Do you? So Jesus is saying again, I pray not. I'm not asking that you should take them out of the world. That's what a lot of Christians want. Oh, Lord, just let me go to heaven and get rid of all this trouble and affliction and persecution and all the adversity here on the earth. Well, nobody really means that when they pray it. That's like Elijah after the contest with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. He went running up into a mountain and said, Lord, just let me die. If he wanted to die, he could have stayed where he was. Queen Jezebel had already threatened to kill him by the end of the day. If he really wanted to die, why didn't he stay where he was? And he'd be there already. 
He didn't mean it any more than we mean it when we cried out to God and said, oh, God, we just can't take it. Just take us. Take us now, Lord. Give me a break. So Jesus is saying, that's not what I want. I'm not praying that you should take them out of the world. I'm praying that you should deliver them from the evil that's in the world that they're left in. Now, how is that going to happen? How is that going to take place? Verse 16, they are not of this world, even as I'm not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify. That means separate. That means deliver. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In other words, when he says, I'm not praying that you take them out of the world. I'm praying that you'd keep them from the evil of the world. How? Through the word of God. So is the kingdom of God. As if a man should speak the word of God into his own spirit. As if a man should speak the word of God into his own spirit. Now, if this is true, if what Jesus prayed is really the will of God, we should find evidence of that in other places. Should we? Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. Here's wisdom speaking first person. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 33. Now well, let's back up a little bit. Um, better back up to verse 22. How long you simple ones will you love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. Behold I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. Because I have called and you refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But you said it not all my counsel. You considered the the counsel of the word of God as nothing. People disobey the word because they think they're smarter than God. That's really what it comes down to. Now they'd never admit that that's the case. But that's the case. They think they can dodge the consequences that the Bible says will be theirs if they stray from the path. Because you set my counsel Said it not all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. Calamity means bad. Means anything bad, any trouble, any problems that come. I also, here's wisdom, the word of the wisdom of the word of God. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes. When your fear comes as desolation and your destruction comes as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I'll not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. Why? For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel. They despised all of my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them. One translation says the path of least resistance. For the path of least resistance shall slay them. And the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. Verse 33 is what I want you to see. But, here's the contrast. But, whoso hearkeneth unto me, wisdom, the wisdom of the word of God, shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. This word evil is the word bad. Grievous, hurt, harm, disease, anything and everything that's bad. Whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from the fear of evil. You know one of the things that that puzzles me about the book of Job? The one complaint the devil had about God, against God, concerning Job is you've built a hedge around him. 
God said, have you considered my servant Job? He's a perfect man. He walks in integrity and walks in uprightness. And the devil said, well, yeah, sure he does. Look at the hedge you built around him. Yet Job said, the thing that I've greatly feared has come upon me. He's dwelling safely, but he's in fear. He's dwelling in safety, but he's talking fear. According to the principle of the word, if Job had just learned to control his mouth, he could have avoided a lot of trouble in his life. Now, I don't think he could have avoided the trouble for his children. They seem to be grown. They have their own houses and so forth. And what you say about other children that are on their own and have their operating in their own authority doesn't control things. They control things in their own life. So I'm not saying he could have avoided all the trouble, but he sure could have avoided a lot of it that came upon him personally. He was dwelling safely because he was acting on the word, yet he's talking fear. I wonder how many Christians are doing the same thing. A lot of them I know of. How about you? Notice another verse of scripture with me in uh, Proverbs chapter 19, verse 23. Proverbs 19, 23, the fear of the Lord tendeth to life. And he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Here's the same word. Calamity, bad, grievous, hurt, harmful, disease, and so forth. The fear of the Lord tendeth to life. And he that hath it, hath the fear of the Lord, shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. Does this not sound like what Jesus prayed in John 17, 15? I pray not that thou would take them out of the world, but thou should deliver them from the evil that's in the world. And he goes further and tells us how to do it. Verse 17, he says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In other words, the deliverance that I'm praying for comes through the word of God. Well, how does the word of God benefit us? So is the kingdom of God as if a man should speak the word of God into his heart. Now, folks, if wisdom is different in the Old Testament than it is in the New Testament, we're sunk. If being free from evil is different in Proverbs than it is in the New Testament, then how are we supposed to know? If experiencing the, the, the principles of the kingdom of God and experience the blessings of the kingdom of God don't come the way Jesus said they come, but some other way, then how are we going to figure all this out? No, thank God the word of God is simple. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should speak the word of God into his own heart. God will rule in your life. A man's heart will answer to the man just like a face will reflect its own image. The degree that you put the word of God into your heart is the degree that God is going to rule in your life. In the area of healing, in the area of finances, in the area of forgiveness, in any and every area that you can come up with. And the word of God has instruction for you in every respect. So is the kingdom of God. As if a man should plant, should speak the word of God into his own heart. You plant the word of God by the word spoken out of your mouth. So is the kingdom of God. As if a man should speak the word of God into his own heart. He rises and goes to sleep day after day and it brings forth fruit. He doesn't even have to know how. I take great comfort in that. Because every time I try to figure out how God's going to do something, it never works out that way. I finally come to the place where I just try to shut my mind off and not try to think, how's this going to work? I've got scriptural 
a scriptural foundation for that. I don't have to know how it's going to work. It'll just work. See, the thing that we don't realize is because we are made in the image of God, our spirits are an exact duplication of the spirit of God himself. Then everything that we, whenever we put the word of God into our spirits, our spirits will attract whatever we put in it. Now, remember, your spirit's neutral. It'll produce either good things or bad things depending on what you sow into it. Whatever you speak into it, it'll produce that result. That's what Proverbs 29 is talking about. As in water face answers to face, so a man's heart will answer to that man. We want to know what our heart's full of. All we have to do is look around in our life and see what's going on. You want to know what you've been speaking? Just take a look at what you've got. That's what you're getting. If we don't like it, then we have the opportunity to change it. But there's no point in us trying to say, well, no, that's not how it works. My heart is pure, but I've just got evil things in my life because the devil's after me. Well, okay, that might be true for a period of time, but the devil's not going to be after you forever. We may be walking through some things and standing in faith to receive what the Bible says is ours for a period of time, but that's not going to last forever. Is it? Not if the word's true. So whatever we put into our hearts will attract that very thing to us. Because our hearts are designed to produce after its own kind. So whatever you speak into your heart, positive according to the word of God, negative according to the words of the enemy, whatever you put in your heart, that's what you will draw to yourself. And that's what Proverbs is trying to tell us. Your heart will produce whatever you put on the inside of it. That's why it's important to put the fear of the Lord in there. That's why it's important to speak the word of God and operate according to wisdom. Wisdom. Whoso hearkeneth unto me, wisdom, the word of God, shall dwell safely and be quiet from the fear of evil. You don't even have to worry about it coming. Doesn't mean you won't be attacked with something. But it won't stay. It just won't stay. Why? Because Jesus prayed that we'd be delivered from the evil of the world. How does that happen? Through putting the word of God in our hearts. Through putting the word of God in our hearts. Folks, when we, when we realize this is the simple truth, we'll quit looking for somebody to pray for us to get us an answer. We'll quit looking for somebody who's got a special anointing that can get our problem solved. You've got a special anointing. It's called the Word. And you can produce whatever part of the kingdom of God, whatever part of the blessings that Jesus has obtained for us, whatever Jesus put, took upon himself, which is everything except persecution that I can see. The only thing the Bible doesn't say we're redeemed from is persecution. In fact, Jesus said, they that live godly, or Paul said, they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's why most Christians don't. They're not living a godly life to where people, it creates a problem for people to want to persecute them. You start putting the word of God into your heart, you start speaking the word of God into your heart, man, that'll stir them up like crazy. That'll stir up Christians. Well, who do they think they are? Every time they run into a problem, they just start saying what the Bible says. Don't they realize they're ignoring the problem? No, we're not ignoring the problem. We're doing something about the problem. We're operating according to the answer to the problem. But, oh, people will get on to you for that because they don't want the responsibility of doing it themselves. And they don't want to think that somebody else is being a better Christian than them because they're not willing to confess the word. So that will stir up people against you. 
See, living godly doesn't mean doing the right thing in every case. Living godly has more to do with confessing the word than anything else. I show you a lot of godliness, holiness people that are living according to a letter of some law and they don't know God, wouldn't know God if he came walking down the street with a red hat on. Their fellowship with God is zero. They're saved. Heaven is their home when this life is over. But they don't know God because the only way you can know God and fellowship with him is through his word. But oh, they're living according to strict principles. They're dressing just so. Their hair is just so. They wouldn't go to a movie picture, uh, you know, a movie to save their lives, wouldn't get caught dead in the theater. And they think that's godliness. Folks, godliness is receiving the word. And how do you do that? By speaking the word of God into your own heart. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should speak the word of God into his own spirit. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should speak the word of God into his own spirit. If healing is part of the kingdom of God, that means you can be healed by speaking the word of God into your spirit. Every time. It'll work every time. Yeah, but Pastor Mike, how long does it take to get in there? I don't know, but it might be a while, so you better get busy. Instead of putting it off thinking about, oh, this is too hard, why don't you get busy and cut the time down? Amen? Don't be like those that deceive their own hearts, that hear the word of God and speak something else. Because your heart will draw to it what you speak into it, whether good or bad. Your heart was designed to be perfect ground. It's made in the image of God, and God is good ground. So speak the word. Speak the word. You remember that's what the centurion said to Jesus. Jesus, you don't have to come to my house, but speak the word only. I think we ought to have centurion faith. Speak the word only. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. We could say the same thing about ourselves. When I speak the word only, I shall be healed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's true. Thank you for the privilege that we have to speak the word of God into our own hearts. So is the kingdom of God. As if we should speak the word of God into our own hearts. Thank you, Father, that healing is ours to the degree that we speak healing into our spirits. Thank you, Father, that prosperity and financial provision is ours to the degree that we speak the word of God into our spirits. Not the word and other things too, but speak the word only. Thank you, Father, that forgiveness rules and reigns in our lives to the degree that we speak the word of forgiveness into our own spirits. Thank you, Father, that peace is ours to the degree that we speak the word of peace into our own spirit. Thank you, Father, that the love of God rules and reigns in us to the degree that we speak the love of God into our hearts. Oh, what a privilege it is, Father, to walk according to your kingdom principles. To walk according to your word. To plant the word of God into our own hearts through confession, the words of our mouths. And to see the harvest come up every time. Thank you, Father, that we're good ground because we're made in your image. And we receive your word and we keep it by speaking it in Jesus' precious name. Therefore, we declare that we're healed by the stripes of Jesus. We declare that all of our needs are met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We declare that the love of God abounds in us in every situation. We declare that it's impossible for us to be offended because the love of God is so great in us. Thank you, Father, that peace is ours. Thank you, Father, that because we hearken unto your word, the wisdom of your word, we dwell safely and we are quiet 
from the fear of evil. In Jesus' precious name. If you can agree with that, say amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for being with us.